Yeah. I mean, you'll see it in our when we tag people on on Twitter and Instagram. It's anyway. I digress. Do you? Yeah. Now we're going to frequently. <laughs> Welcome to Attached, a podcast about the loved ones we're attached to, and the good, the bad, and the ugly advice about those relationships that maybe we shouldn't be so attached to. We here at Attached want to share ways to enhance noble relationships and debunk all of that bad relationship advice using science. I'm Dr. Patricia Robertson out of the University of Tennessee. I'm Dr. Jacob Priest from the University of Iowa. Go Hawks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go volunteers. Uh... I'm Dr. Sarah Woods at UT Southwestern Medical Center. Go doctors. <laughs> I don't know that we have... I don't think we have like a yeah. mascot. No, it's okay. It's, it's okay. We won't do that again. Um, <laughs> today we're going to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day coming up on October 11th. Jacob will bring us something that feels like it has that wonderful funness in pop and culture. Then yeah, in the good, I- good. Yeah, that's that's good. Oh, <laughs> nailing it. <laughs> Get those vibes going um, from almost literally across the country. Then, in the academic deep dive, we're going to discuss the academic article, What's Love Got to Do With It? Love and alcohol use among U.S. Indigenous people, aligning research with real-world experiences. Whew, that, was, that was a journey, but a yeah. great title nonetheless. And then, in Good or Bad Advice, we're going to discuss ways you can celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. So quite a wonderful lineup today. As always, if you have any advice you'd like us to talk about, send it to us. You can email us at attachedpodcast at gmail.com, tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us at attachedpodcast, or go to attachedpodcast.com, send us a message there. There's also YouTube. I don't know if you guys have heard about this new website around for probably about three decades called YouTube. We're there now as well. Um, so go check out video versions of our podcast for each episode. As always, remember to please rate and review the podcast wherever you prefer to listen to it. It gets us uh, better reviews. Presumably, you're going to rate us well. It, it really just makes us feel better about ourselves. So <laughs> that's why you should do it. Uh, yes. Also, a second reason is it gets in in front of more people's eyes as well, so they can uh, Ears, listen maybe? to it. In one of their audio platform. Sometimes people like to smell us as well, so it gets in front of their nose too. Okay. I usually report those people. As I said, we have a wonderful lineup today, and before we get to all of that, how are you guys doing? Jacob, what's up with you? It's been a really good weekend. Um, We got Manny Petties. Nice. Mm, Love it. Um, we went to one of our favorite restaurants last night to celebrate a friend's birthday, and it was so good. Mm. Got a babysitter. It's even better. Fantastic. Those are fun. Um, and then the Hawkeyes won, like, oh, their football we're... team. We're, that's why we're Go Hawks. They, they played great, which is not always the case, so we're happy when they do. And then we're going to brunch right after we're done recording today. So it's, I can't complain. It's kind of been a busy weekend, but I'm enjoying it. Sounds absolutely amazing. I'm so glad your football team won. I know how much you love college football. So, like, I'm so happy for you. Was? <laughs> no, no sarcasm detected. And 
Yeah, I took uh, my daughter to softball practice this week. That was um, a first for me, not for her. Her um, her father usually takes her. I don't. I don't. I softball is not going to be my thing. Um, And she hasn't, you know, participated in like two years thanks to COVID. And I wasn't really in for participating this season either because, you know, COVID. COVID. But my husband <laughs> pointed out that really it it she can't really sustain much longer like pitching to herself and um, yeah. running the bases with no one trying to really get her out. Oh, <laughs> it's just that image solo in your backyard is just like breaking my heart. <laughs> oh, solo softball is not quite the same as when it's a team sport, apparently. Um, so it was a fun. It was it was a fun several hours. In I mean, my phone said it feels like 102 degrees out. So um, we are still thick in the Texas summer. Um, and I felt like I was watching some of my um, uh, genetic heritage play out on the field. <laughs> I'm not sure athleticism is like an inherent skill of mine. I'm not sure if it's going to be an inherent skill of my uh, progeny, but we will see. Um, uh, but she practices her little heart out and uh, super cute. Oh my gosh, so adorable. I bet she's thrilled to be around other little humans her her age. I know my kids, even though uh, it's tough with COVID still in schools, they love being in school with other little tiny human beings. So yeah. that's absolutely wonderful to see, even though it is a bit scary in these times. I, myself, and my lovely husband have... Oh. Started oh. and finished Ted Lasso. Oh, yay! <laughs> I, I thought it was going to take a different turn. <laughs> oh my goodness, yay! What so exciting. Turn? I know, I couldn't wait to tell you guys that finally I've caught up. What do you, you think? Guys. I love it. It's really, really cute. It's very adorable. It's fantastic. Um, I love all of the sub relationship plots too yeah the old guy retiring and the influencers relationship yeah whatever their name is oh are they gonna break up the look on your face is that they're gonna break up i'm not even sure which characters you're referring to um oh roy kent yeah he's not that old (laughs) yes the old guy retiring he's probably like call him old sure 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 yeah he's probably like 32 yeah (laughs) Uh, Ke- Keely Jones. Yeah, yeah. Keely Jones. And so Boy cute. Kent. They're so cute. So adorable together. Um, feel real sad for Jamie and his dad seems like a total a-hole. I know. I That's know. awful. Well, you really, but anyway. So the whole season one or you're like up through season two oh, of where we are? All of season one and the first episode of season two. Wow, you really did go for it. We did. Don't worry, we will have we'll have a Ted Lasso themed episode, won't we, sometime? I hope yeah. so. Because of all the research on Ted Lasso. I, mean... I was just thinking in my head, I don't know how I'm going to contribute. Sports? There's lots of sports research. Yeah, that could be cool. Amazing show. I'm so glad that I finally you guys as advice only like what eight yeah. months later. That's okay. We forgot. We <laughs> First up, pop and culture. We learn about relationships from our friends and families. 
But a lot of what we think about love and relationships come from what we see in pop culture. For this first segment, we'd like to take a moment to highlight events in pop culture that influence people's lives and how we view relationships. Jacob, what do you have for us today in celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day? I have one of my new favorite shows of yeah. this last year um, on FX on Hulu. It is called Reservation Dogs. Reservation so Dogs. So good. So oh good. Um, just a lot of fun. It's uh, uh, centers around this, he's probably like 15, 16 year old kid named Bear and his like ragtag bunch of friends and like all the mischief they get up they get into um and it's just really funny and really um like really poignant kind of like you know like a little bit of like a different totally different setting but kind of like a ted lasso-esque feel i think um and there's just some really really funny parts but what i want to talk about today um is something i think they demonstrate in this show really well and that um, I think in our relationships, we could take a lot from. Ooh, um, okay. So, you know, Bear and his group of friends, they have like a rival group of friends that um, sometimes they get in like skirmishes with and all that kind of stuff. And one time that rival group of friends gets Bear by himself and they beat him up. And <gasps> um, so it's it's like... It's it's sad. It sounds like really. It's also funny too because as part of um, him getting beat up, like he all of a sudden like he can start seeing this um, ancient um, warrior from his tribe uh, who is also hilarious. Like I think he shows up and he's like he's like peeing like 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 oh hold on just a second like it's just really funny. Um, but the, the, the thing about it is, is throughout, um, you know, the spirit makes a couple of appearances throughout the season. And it's um, really a way that Bear uses to navigate his life through connecting with his heritage and his culture. And, um, you know, the people that came before him. Often when we think about relationships, we only focus on the here and now. And we don't think to look to the people who came before us. And the the thing I find that we miss out when we don't do that is we don't see, we don't understand the context of our present relationships, right? You know, our parents and their parents and their parents and their parents, part of not only the genetic DNA that we got, but also those interactional relational patterns can get passed down. And by understanding the context of where your family comes from, your cultural heritage can really help you create context for your relationships, which can then give you more options for responding and give you better, almost in someone's less reactivity to potentially some of those people who are closest to you, right? The more you learn about your... mm So that's, that's a really great point. So whenever we have more options to respond to something, we tend to be less anxious or vice versa. When we're more anxious, we tend to limit our options. So when we're in a situation and we have a lot of options emotionally to be able to respond to, we tend to respond in a calmer way, in a more effective way with less anxiety. I think that's a really, really excellent point. Yeah, and I think there's a really 
cool connection because Bear, the the main character, his father is estranged from him, so it's him and his mom, and they're really close. Um, and there's an episode where, sorry, this is a little bit of spoiler, where um, Bear's dad is supposed to come back and doesn't mm-hmm. show. Um, but the connection that Bear has with his mom and understanding the broader context of his cultural heritage, his dad's life growing up and what that looked like, I, it still a, has him experience that pain, but at the same time gives him hope for forming relationships and doing things, right? The whole goal is they're trying to make enough money to get out of Oklahoma and go to California. Um, him and his ragtag group of friends. Um, and I, I just, I think that they demonstrate that not only in the relationship with Bear, but they actually, you know, do a fl- flashback with a few of the characters there and really show that through line between those who came before us and our present context and circumstance. And the more we understand about what we would call in the business our family of origin, I think the better we're able to understand why we might experience our relationships in certain ways. And then probably, I would argue, and so would uh, Murray Bowen, the more autonomy we would have over um, the choices we can make in those relationship systems. Um, But I can't recommend Reservation Dogs more highly. Like, I feel like Hulu's killing it. Rami, um, we haven't talked about this, but Handmaid's Tales on Hulu, that's real good too. And now Reservation Dogs, excellent. Um, So go check it out for sure. Awesome. Reservation Dogs on FX and also? Well, FX on Hulu. I mean, we got to get it right. Uh, yes. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't understand the specificity, but yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'll see it in our, when we tag people on, on Twitter and Instagram. It's, anyway, I digress. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to. Frequently. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're going to move to our academic deep dive segment and talk about a new paper titled, What's Love Got to Do With It? Love, in quotes, and alcohol use among U.S. Indigenous people, aligning research with real world experiences, written by Dr. Catherine McKinley and Jen Miller-Scarnato at Tulane, recently published in the Journal of Ethnic and Cultural Diversity in Social Work. These authors focus on anti-oppressive research with indigenous populations and socio-political structural impact impacts on health disparities in Native American communities. In this study, the authors explore how indigenous participants describe love, how they experience love over time, and whether it's protective against problematic alcohol use, an important health disparity experienced by indigenous communities. Although love is a really important idea in the general public and something we don't reserve just for romantic relationships, in research we tend to focus on different components of love, like warmth or intimacy or commitment. And we rarely use these concepts to understand love in families. However, the authors point out that things like positive parent-child relationships, parental affection, Family support and comfort are associated with positive mental health outcomes. Therefore, it may be important to understand whether love may help to protect against addiction in indigenous families. According to these authors, family members, quote, 
heavily influence substance use and health behaviors among indigenous people. And as alcohol abuse is currently a huge health concern in indigenous communities, it may be that indigenous families serve as an important but often overlooked protective factor. So Sarah, these researchers use the framework of historical oppression, resilience, and transcendence to guide their research. Can you help us understand exactly what that is and what they did? Yeah, so these researchers did a really complex, um, incredible study that used both qualitative uh, research methods and quantitative. And in this paper... Qualitative is more words and kind of looking at themes and what people say. And quantitative Mm -hmm. is really just sticking to the numbers and statistics side of research. Yes. And so they have several different papers that share the results of this, what sounds like a really huge project. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what's really important to understand is that they use a framework of um, the importance of the history of oppression for these communities, the indigenous, these indigenous communities, um, and how this oppression has really undermined the communities and the families that live in them. uh, Meaning that there have been so many different historical traumas that have uh, these families have experienced um, and that that gets in the way of intergenerational culture transmission, meaning families being able to sort of pass down their language, their customs, um, their family process, how they um, connect and interact. um, And that 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 framework points to the fact that impairing that healthy transmission of love in families um, is also uh, part of why we see things like alcohol abuse and other health problems increase. So they see love as a really central core component of family resilience. They're not alone. They cite work from like Froma Walsh on family resilience. Um, and really that's the idea that families have the ability to bounce back from adversity, that they can adapt to challenge and when hard things happen, they can um, they can flex and they can shift and they can um, come back, uh, which really contributes to the whole family's well-being. Um, but also that culture influences how we experience emotion and how we express emotion. So something like love, which is really important to um, to families' abilities to survive and to thrive, could also look uniquely different for indigenous communities based on sort of their cultural influences. So what they did, um, again, as Patricia explained really well, this has a qualitative component, which I'll talk about first, um, and also a quantitative component. Um, So it's a mixed method study. That's another way to describe that. Um, But in general, the overarching focus was um, what do indigenous peoples see as most important components of family resilience and strength? Uh, And so what they did was that they started with um, two southeastern tribes, and they have um, made the identity of those tribes intentionally confidential. Um, One they describe as a coastal tribe, and that is a tribe that is state-recognized only. So the difference between being a state-recognized tribe and a federally-recognized tribe is a huge difference in resources because the status is different. Um, And so the inland tribe is the second one, and that's federally recognized. So um, it's important, they describe, to sort of um, 
analyze some of these themes both collectively but also separately because the difference in resources that these tribes have access to may also impact, of course, resilience. Um, one, and one thing I particularly love about this methodology is that they are not saying here is what love is and ascribing it to them. Oh, they're yeah. going to the, the people who they're studying right. and mm-hmm. saying, tell me how you what you think and what this means to you, yeah. which is so critical in any sort of research when we're trying to understand the impact of family. Yeah. We have to figure out what it means to the people we're studying first. So I love that yeah. that's for sure. Absolutely. And when you read their method, um, their their approach to this research, it's really so very detailed and it, it feels like it's really intentional at each mm. step. They're, they're really sort of thinking through how to privilege and give priority to the voices of the communities that they're working to understand. Um, And so both of these tribes have experienced really severe historical oppression, educational discrimination, poverty, racism. Um, uh, And so when they... um, when they describe the themes, which we'll talk about in a minute, they do separate them out by tribe, but also they talk about sort of collectively what they found, which is really interesting. So uh, for these interviews, the results for this paper were from 436 participants across wow. these two tribes. And they did individually focused interviews, family interviews, focus groups. They also observed participants. I didn't see that that data was anywhere in this paper. Mm-hmm. But again, there's many papers that have come out of this project. Um, they asked them questions like, what, what keeps families strong? What is the glue that holds families together? How do you know you were cared for? So just like you're describing, Patricia, they didn't go in with a predefined idea of love. They asked about the resilience piece, and out of that came themes of love. Um, that when they analyzed the results, their analysis teams include indigenous uh, doctoral students from each tribe. Um, and then they took the results and they gave them back to the tribes. They said more than 10 times. So they disseminated wow. these results. They gave them back to the people who participated in them so they could see not only their own interview and correct anything if they wanted to, but they got summaries of the results. They were allowed to give feedback. So um, not only did many people sort of expound further, but mm. then they said more than half of uh, their participants were interviewed more than once. So they got wow. layers and layers of rich data. First, what they found was that both tribes emphasized love as the most important thing that holds families together. So we stick with each other and we show understanding to each other through hard times. Um, The Inland Tribe talked about love for family members as um, they said the essence of family resilience and strength. And uh, the Coastal Tribe, one of the participants uh, uh, replied to a question, we were poor, but we were rich in being together and as a loving family, which I thought Mm -hmm. was really beautiful. I know. And then the second theme that they um, that they found, again, across both tribes was that verbal, physical, and frequent rituals of affection were components of love. So they showed it verbally through using loving words, letting family know that they love them, also physical affection, hugs, kisses, physical touch. Um, these rituals of affection were really frequent. They were done every day. Um, and also they found some evidence that this changed over generations. So whereas oh. participants said there was maybe a lack of open expression of love in their families of origin and the families they were raised in, in their current families, they were really intentional and explicitly expressive of how they love one another. Um, they also thought they may be located that females may be more expressive of love, but that that may also be changing with time. 
And so they took these results and then they used those specifically to inform their quantitative study to sort of explore this a little bit more and whether or how this could be tied at all to alcohol use. Mm. So in this this second piece, 127 participants um, uh, answered some survey questions, survey responses, um, and using the qualitative results, they had a hypothesis that family resilience in one's current family is higher than in my family of origin, and that family resilience in either will be um, associated with less alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is what they found. So they found that um, family resilience in my, um, the family I was raised in tended to have, um, uh, not the family I was raised in, the family these participants were raised in, had lower levels than in their current family. Um, And although there was clinically significant alcohol abuse in 21% of the sample, which is a huge number, it is, uh, they also found that although higher perceived historical oppression was associated with significantly higher levels of alcohol mm. abuse symptoms, higher levels of family resilience in either family of origin or current families, but especially in current families, was associated with fewer alcohol abuse symptoms. Um, so it's really this incredibly rich project that um, that demonstrates, and it, this is according to the authors, I love this interpretation too, but that the cultural norms around expression of love for these tribes is changing over time, um, and that the current generation, their language that they use is, is transcending the effects of historical oppression, oh expressing, love, expressing love more, and that that appears to be protective against something that is as serious and really health consequential as alcohol abuse for these communities. It's a big deal. Um, so I, I just really loved that interpretation that um, that this resilience aspect is so incredibly powerful. Oh yeah, it, it gave yeah, me chills. That's amazing words. Mm. Yeah, to I the loved authors. it so much. I mean, it also speaks to the multi-generational impact of the cultural oppression, the violence, the genocide, all of the historical elements um, of these cultures, of these indigenous tribes have experienced, um, can trickle down so many generations to an impact current health disparities. Yeah, that's exactly what they describe in ways that I think are really elegant and clear and um, and really important because that sort of that oppression becoming really internalized through things like alcohol use, which becomes an enormous risk factor for serious health disparities in these communities. Um, But what they found is these really powerful, very, very, um, very daily, very present in these families, mm. these um, verbal and physical expressions of love. It was key and core to how uh, what they thought was important about we have to be showing love to our kids. It starts with the parents. We, um, uh, we. This is really, really important. This is how we show up for each other. It's we stick together no matter what. Um, the quotes they pulled out were really beautiful, um, and I think is a really nice example of. Um, uh, how to do and why we need more of this like strengths oriented community-based participatory research that's really grounded in the cultures that we study and understand. Um, and also the research on love in families. I mean, they yeah. were certainly speaking our language about love is not something just reserved for intimate partnerships. This is yeah. how we talk about love all the time with our family members, right? And we do that in different ways um, that are culturally bound. But if it has health protective effects, we need to understand what this looks like outside of you know, marriage and um, sexual relationships. It's, it's something much bigger and, and uh, more complex. Woo-hoo! Boo! 
Finally, time for good or bad advice, where we talk about pervasive relationship advice in our cultures. We hear relationship advice from our parents, family, and friends. We see advice about how to be in relationship from movies and TV shows. And we read endless advice spewed at us on social medias, blogs, and all those numerous top 10 lists. But a lot of it just isn't actually good advice for relationships. This is the part of the show where we use science to decide if the advice is good or bad. If you have seen or heard some advice you'd like us to talk about, send it to us. Email us at attachedpodcast at gmail.com or get at us on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, all at Attached Podcast, or go to attachedpodcast.com and send us a message. While you're at it, as always, please rate and review the podcast and also check us out on YouTube if you care to. That'd be amazing. We'd appreciate it greatly. So today's good or bad advice is going to be a little bit different in celebration of Indigenous Peoples Day. If you don't know, um, none of our podcast hosts, uh, myself, Jacob, or Sarah, are Indigenous people. So we can't really speak very well to good or bad advice. So we are seeking the advice of other people that we have found on ways to properly celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. So we're going to bring you five ways to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day from BIPOC Support Foundation. Uh, The link is in the description. So first is get informed. One way to celebrate Indigenous people is to dispel the myth and misconception about Native Americans and educate yourself on the identities and experiences of those you are seeking to uh, support. There's a website called Reclaim Native Truth. Um, It is a US-based project that is an excellent place to begin to learn. They um, recommend going there. Again, we'll put the link, all of these links, I'm gonna be spewing a lot at you in our description. Other people recommend ways to get informed is to find out what land you're on, um, which I thought was just a really, really great idea. So our entire country here in the US, Canada, Mexico too, uh, were all originally you know, indigenous people's land. So if you go to native-land.ca, you can find what land you're living on and put your address in it. So I did this. I found that where I live in Tennessee, it's Cherokee land, Shawnee land, and Yuchi land as well. So I thought that that was really, really cool. And anyone can go there and just type their address and find out what land you're on just to help educate yourself. So that is the first one that they recommend is obviously educate yourself. The second one is protect indigenous lands and plant native. On this website, they have a lot of different resources that you can go to, you can donate to, but also one thing that you can do is in your yard and wherever you are is make sure that you're planting native plants and not plants from other regions, other countries, because that really helps sustain your local wildlife, your local bugs and insects. It's a lot more sustainable generally if you plant plants that are native to your region and take fewer resources like water and fertilizer and things like that. Next, they recommend promoting indigenous groups and businesses. So there's all sorts of websites where you can find artists and business owners that are indigenous people. But also there are a whole bunch of people out there you can promote on social media. So here are just a couple of really cool people that have been recommended to follow on social media. One is Michelle Chubb at 
indigenous underscore baddie. I know she's on TikTok, but I'm sure she's on all of the other places too. At Okairin, that is at O-H-K-A-I-R-Y-N on TikTok and many other places. Isabel Chapadu um, on TikTok. Many, many more that we will put in our description. And then another one that they didn't put, but someone I follow on TikTok who I like a lot is modern underscore warrior underscore underscore um, on TikTok. So there are a ton of people out there um, that you can follow and support on your social medias to help lift up their voices. Number four, they recommend to dive into a new book or podcast by an Indigenous writer. And this website lists tons and tons of wonderful books um, and podcasts, but one that I think we've all listened to that they didn't include that we like a lot is something called This Land uh, by Rebecca Nagel. And it's a really great podcast that kind of talks about the intersection between the Supreme Court and legal decisions that the Supreme Court has made throughout history um, and current ones for Indigenous people. So that's a really great way to educate yourself also on the history of Indigenous people, especially through the lens of Supreme Court decisions. And season two just drops looking at um, adoption and how it has been used to dismantle and oppress dismantle uh, yeah i was gonna say decimate yeah the indigenous people just taking children from those those people and the last one this recommends is attend an indigenous people's day community celebration locally or virtually um there might be some locally to you all but they also say that because of covid a lot of them have moved online and virtually. So I think it would be really easy, especially in this day and age, to find a bunch um, virtually. These recommendations were surrounding 2020. They're all recommending 2020 events, but search the internet. Google is an amazing tool. I'm sure some 2021 events will be popping up soon. So those were all of the recommendations um, and all of the links for all of these people, again, will be in our description. So Do yourself a favor for this Indigenous Peoples Day. Get educated, follow some people. And if you have the means, buy some wonderful jewelry or art or attend an Indigenous person's business and help support our Indigenous people, our Indigenous friends and families. Can I say too, for, I know we have some therapists and educators that listen to our podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I've tried to do especially this year um you know i notice that our students don't get any context or information or very little research that focuses on indigenous peoples um and so when you look at your syllabus when you're planning semesters find ways to include work by um, indigenous scholars or work about indigenous folks like the awesome research Sarah found today. I think it is a spot that not a lot of programs tend to focus on, not a lot of courses like explore, but that knowledge and that understanding I think is key to providing equitable mm-hmm. care as a therapist or, or as an educator. Yes, it's an area that is often, often overlooked. So thank you all for listening to this episode of Attached. Remember, call us, email us, or get at us on the social medias about relationship advice you receive and that you're wondering whether to follow or pass on. We cannot wait to talk about it.